Tiki Hut Media. From Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, this is Soul Ramblings, and I'm your host, Jerry Wicker, the lead minister at Manatee Life Church. Glad you could join us today as we begin a new series on the Apostles' Creed, and we'll be centering in truth, getting centered in truth. We'll head over to the sanctuary here in the next few minutes. And it's an exciting time at Manatee Life Church because we have begun the process of revitalizing our mission and vision. And it is exciting to see what God is doing in hearts and lives. I mean, in January alone, we've accomplished many physical things like revamping our classic worship service and rearranging our sanctuary as a means to focus on Jesus with the cross at the center. We've also begun cultural things like this new sermon series on the Apostles' Creed, and we are talking about Manatee Life Church's future during this series. I'm also sharing a vision, mission, strategy, and core values for our church that start right now as we get recentered on who we are and whose we are. It is my firm belief that the most exciting parts of our story are chapters that have not been written. We are just getting started. By the way, if you would like a copy of our new mission statement, we have copies. You can email me, jerry at manatealife.church. That's jerry at manatealife.church. Or you can check out our mission statement on our website, and that's manatealife.church slash about dash us. It can be tempting to think we're well-established and all grown up, and though we definitely have come a long way, We are really just getting started. Our whole life is out in front of us. Our journey is just beginning. Spiritually speaking, God is not done with you yet either. No matter your literal age, there's still more that God can and will do with your life, if you are open to it. Our church is just getting started, but in order for God to do something new in our church, we have to believe that God can do something new in our personal lives. Perhaps you feel stuck or disconnected. Maybe you've gotten busy or out of the habit of church. Or maybe you just feel ready, ready for something new, something hopeful, something more. If that's you, this is your time to engage, time to return to worship, and to begin considering what new thing God might be wanting to do in your life. Let's head over to the sanctuary. Our scripture reading for the morning comes to us from John's Gospel, the 8th chapter, selected verses, verses 12, 23, and 31 and 32. Hear these holy words. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, Prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day. 
and work Your will in our lives. Amen. Good morning to all of you worshiping here this morning and those that are worshiping online at manatealife.church. I am so glad you're here this morning, and I'm always excited to begin a new series. I love it when we start a new series, and we are beginning a new series today called Apostles' Creed, Truths That Unite. Since Thanksgiving, really, probably even a couple of weeks before, I always like to plan out, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men. I like to plan out different sermon series and sermon topics that I cover. And I knew January 1, that would be a New Year looking ahead type sermon. I knew last week with it being Epiphany, I knew what that sermon was going to be about. And I wanted to start a series beginning this week and just kept wrestling. I had a few ideas, but I couldn't make up my mind. One of those ideas was to do a sermon series on the Apostles' Creed. And up until two weeks ago, New Year's Day, I still had not really made up my mind. Couldn't get any peace about what sermon series do we start this week until after church that day on New Year's Day. I was talking with a few of you over in Joy Hall after church that day. And you were talking about how thrilled you were that we were beginning to recite the Apostles' Creed as part of our corporate worship every Sunday morning again. And then someone said to me, you know, you ought to do a sermon on the Apostles' Creed. I thanked God for the confirmation. And I thank Ellen for being faithful to God and saying that to me, because she's the one that said that to me. The Apostles' Creed. It's a set of unchanging truths that center us, that unite us. In this polarized, divided world we live in, how wonderful it is for us to, no matter our opinions about other things, to get together corporately and say, we unite, we have this in common. We believe this. But why does the Apostles' Creed matter? Well, it keeps us tethered to each other, I believe. It, it is one of those things where Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Truth is a tether. It's a tether, something that tethers us together. It gives us the eyes to see clearly what is Christian and what is not Christian. It is in our DNA. It is who we are. It is part of our, it is our culture. Beth and I just recently, uh, some of these, if, if you were here Wednesday night, you've heard a couple of these stories already. I gave, I gave the Wednesday night covered dish folks a little preview of this morning's sermon on Wednesday night. There's a Netflix series called Down to Earth with Zac Efron. And as you can see, Beth watches it for a little bit different reasons than I do because Zac Efron, according to Beth, 
is quite handsome. So, easy on the eyes, on that. So, uh, but it is a great series. If you have Netflix, I encourage you to check it out. We just watched the second season, and he and another fellow spent the entire season, eight or nine episodes, in Australia. And they spent time among the Aboriginal people of Australia, those that are left there. And these are the natives of Australia. They were there before any, anybody else discovered Australia. And they were going through a ritual where the Aboriginal people were welcoming them into, welcoming, welcoming them into their land and into their lives to be welcome and be a part of them. One of the things they did as part of the ceremony was that they hugged one another. Now, I'm a hugger, and that piqued my interest. And the Aboriginal chief said, we hug one another because a hug is considered our hearts connecting to one another. It's a physical way that our hearts connect to one another. And that's what the Apostles' Creed does. It connects us to one another. What we're going to launch over the next several weeks is a process of becoming centered in the unchanging truths that can serve as reference points for our lives. Not only with this series, but also beginning on February 5th with A Disciple's Path. And that study, again, 9 o'clock Sunday mornings beginning February 5th. I highly encourage you to be here for that. But first, let's back up and consider what Jesus is teaching us about truth itself. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to all who live in darkness. And as I was saying during the children's moment, if you've ever been in utter darkness, if you've ever been in a completely dark room, you know, you lose your sense of direction. You kind of have to stop and feel your way around and walk very carefully. You don't know where you're headed. And he's saying that we really don't have any sense about where we are or who we are until there's light. And he not only brings the light, Jesus Christ is the light. He's bringing that which can make sense of our world. And he explains in verse 23 that he is from outside this realm. He, we're from this world, he's not. He is that compass that is rooted in what is outside of what we see. He is our reference point. He is the compass. And in these words, in John 8, there are three things he tells us about truth. And I believe these can be so helpful for us to take in. The first point is, truth is outside us. It is much bigger than us. We are, we are just finite creatures. But we were created to live in a relationship with the infinite. And that's why Jesus speaks of how we find true life when we understand that we exist in a relationship with God that is only possible through Jesus Christ, through Him. So the first point is that truth is outside us. The second point that Jesus makes is that truth is knowable. We can know the truth. Jesus said we can know the truth. That is itself a truth that we need to take in and take in deeply. We can know the truth. We can know it. 
Notice, though, he didn't say you will feel the truth. He said you will know the truth. Many times, if you ask someone what they believe, what you'll often hear is what they feel, what they prefer, what they like. But truth isn't dependent on what we feel. When we speak about such truth, it's, it's like talking about gravity. doesn't matter how I feel about gravity. It exists. That's a truth, right? doesn't matter how we feel about God. God exists. Truth? It's true about everything in the Apostles' Creed. These truths are eternal and unchanging. They can transform our feelings. Not dependent on our feelings, but they can transform our feelings. Jesus also didn't say that knowing such truth is dependent on our full understanding. We can know the truth. We may not completely understand it. But we are finite creatures once again who should never really expect to completely understand the truth. I'm always weary of people who say they completely understand God. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. So what does this mean when we say we know the truth? What does it mean when we say we profess to believe the particular truths that we're looking at in the Apostles' Creed? It means that sometimes... Sometimes, what I believe easily aligns with what I experience and what I feel. And then there are times when I say I believe something, but what I experience and what I feel conflicts with that. That's where trust comes in. So when I say I believe, when we say I believe together in the Apostles' Creed, what we're saying is, We're having faith and trust. We believe in truth and trust. It's saying what I believe and in whom I believe. And finally, Jesus teaches us that truth brings freedom. Jesus declares that if we stay united with him, we will know the truth and such truth will Make us free. Some translations say set us free. He's speaking of freedom from what controls us. That all leads us to our focus on the Apostles' Creed. Why did we start reciting that two weeks ago as part of our corporate worship? And by the way, as long as I am your minister here, that will be recited every Sunday as part of our corporate worship. Here's why. I know there are folks that will say the Apostles' Creed, well, it's just road if you do it week after week after week. 
folks don't really pay attention to what they're saying. They're just saying memorized words, and it doesn't really mean anything. Others will say that it's old school. It's outdated language. It doesn't really speak to the young folk. They say old school as a put down. Well, another story I told Wednesday night. So those of you who were here Wednesday, this is, this is a repeat for you. But in the, I believe it was the early 80s, the Coca-Cola company, which at that time, Coca-Cola was the number one soft drink in the world. By, by far, bar none. They decided in the early 80s they were going to fix what wasn't broken. They decided they were going to change the formula of something that had been successful for years. For years. Change the formula. And they came out with New Coke. New Coke. I remember buying one can of New Coke when it came out. I drank about half of it, poured the rest of it out, and never bought another one. Why? Because it tasted terrible. It was the worst stuff I'd ever put in my mouth. Apparently, I wasn't alone in that opinion because nobody else bought it either. Coca-Cola finally realized their error. They reintroduced the original formula and branded it Coke Classic, Coca-Cola Classic, Classic Coke. If you look on the inside of your bulletin, nothing that's being done this morning is by accident. On the inside of your bulletin where it has our order of worship, at the top, what does it say there? Classic worship. Now you know the reason. We are reintroducing some things that work. It wasn't broke. Don't know. We're not trying to fix what's not broken. I'm all for doing new things. Don't misunderstand me. I'm all for presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to this world in new and innovative ways. I'm open to that. But some things ain't broke. The Apostles' Creed's not broken. I think it is vitally important for us as the body of Christ to stand and say, I believe these truths. I believe it is vitally important for us to stand up every Sunday morning and say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You see, let me get this straight to you. As I'm talking about the Apostles' Creed, I realize it's old language. It's old school. You'll be alright. You'll be okay. It's old school. And that's a good thing. It's the 
real thing, as Coca-Cola would say. So when we start the Apostles' Creed with I believe, what we're really doing is we're affirming together as the body of Christ and we're saying we believe. This is what we believe. And what we believe drives our action. Look, if you look at other people, if you're paranoid and if you look at other people and think that everybody is out to get you, you're going to treat people in a certain way. But, if you look at everybody around you as of sacred worth and a child of God created in His image just like you were, you treat them differently. What we believe matters and it drives our actions. And these beliefs in the Apostles' Creed are boundaries, if you will, for us. And boundaries are a good thing. You ask any farmer. Fences, boundaries keep animals in, like cattle, horses, goats, that sort of thing. And they keep the predators out. Keep the predators out. That's why we start the creed with, I believe. This makes it a confession of personal faith, an affirmation of our faith. It's important we agree on these things, these boundaries, these fences, because these beliefs are where we have our unity. Whatever else we may disagree about, we can disagree with one another about many, many things. We all believe these things. We believe. I mean, belief is a choice, and our beliefs should lead us from the boundaries to the center, the cross. Again, Nothing done this morning is by accident. And the title of this morning's sermon, Centering on the Truths. Centering on Truths. And the cross is at the center. We reset, a lot of volunteers here on Thursday morning, we reset this platform with that very purpose in mind. Notice, I'm not in the center anymore. I shouldn't be. What's in the center? The cross. The things that are in the center in this sanctuary are there for a purpose. They're what everything we do here revolves around. The cross, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, and the window in the back. All in the center. You see where we're going? We're centering on truth. What is truth? The cross, the Word of God, Jesus Christ. Why do we choose to believe? We believe because it's who we are. And who are we, church? Who are we? Well, let's go back to Jesus' words in John 8. He said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So who does God say I am? Who does God say you are? We're His disciples. Well, what does that mean? Well, first thing we need to know is that a disciple follows Jesus. A disciple follows Jesus. This is important, folks. It's here that we discover that discipleship is not a destination. It's a direction. Sometimes, you know, if you read enough church mission statements and 
look at enough church flow charts, you get the idea that if we work hard enough and study hard enough, get through enough small group sessions, we'll become a disciple. I mean, you start out as a seeker, then you make a decision, you're a Christ follower, and then if you keep at it, at some point, you get a certificate that says, congratulations, you're a disciple. No! No! If you get nothing else out of this message, church, understand this. Discipleship is not a destination. It is a direction. It is a journey. That's why we're going to start a disciple's path. It's something we go on a journey on. And it's just the beginning of that journey. It is following Jesus as he leads us. Second thing we discover is that a disciple is faithful to Jesus' teachings. Jesus told us that in our scripture passage. Because it is not enough to talk the talk. We also need to walk the walk. We also need to talk the walk and walk the talk. And we don't just read the Bible for intellectual knowledge. We read it because we want to know more about Jesus and about his teaching and learn from his teaching how we should live and grow in relationship with him. Next thing is that a disciple knows the truth. And this goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about. If you're going to know the truth, then you're going to have to know what Jesus said. You're going to have to know what Jesus said. And that happens when you do what? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. One of the most difficult passages for some people to wrap their heads around is John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And the reason that this is so difficult for folks to get their heads around is that it just shatters all these preconceived notions about there are, this is just one of many ways and many truths and many paths that you can take. No, Jesus didn't say, I am one way and one truth, or even I am a way or a truth. What did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then just in case we didn't get that, he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. Why? Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. A disciple of Jesus knows the truth because a disciple follows the truth, and that truth is Jesus Christ. And in that truth and realization, we as disciples find freedom, Jesus says. We will be made free. We will be set free. Because when we come to the realization that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then we aren't compelled to chase every new fad or thing or philosophy that comes along. And Jesus told us, Jesus told us finally how the world would know we are his disciples. He's not going to know we are his disciples by beating people over the heads with our Bibles. That's not what Jesus told us. And it won't be through our Bible translations, although we may have our preferences. Mine happens to be the New Revised Standard Version. It won't be by what church we attend, although we may have our preferences. Mine happens to be Manatee United Methodist Church 
Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida. That's my preference. But that's, what not, that's not what defines me as a disciple. It won't even be because we call ourselves disciples. Instead, Jesus tells us in John thirteen thirty five, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. So disciples are defined by their love, ultimately. Over and over again, this concept is repeated. Jesus' disciples are to love one another. The word that Jesus uses here for love is the Greek word agape, which isn't the love that you feel towards your spouse or your kids or even your best friend. This is a love that is an act of the will more than an act of the heart. It is unconditional. Unconditional love. God doesn't want us to love people because they deserve it. He wants us to just love them. Period. Because, think about this, if God had waited until we deserved His love before He sent His Son Jesus, we'd all still be waiting. And the Scriptures are filled with commands for us to love. Sticking with the Gospel of John. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Just a few verses later in verse 17, he said this. He repeated it. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. So, why the Apostles' Creed? Because it is who we are. It is more than a set of beliefs. It is our culture. It is our DNA as disciples of Jesus Christ. And we are reawakening and rediscovering who we are in order to carry out our mission at Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith committed to Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, united in the love of God, and called to make that love real to others. And in doing so, making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Alleluia. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for giving us such amazing truths. We are thankful that you have given us this opportunity to learn more about you and grow in relationship with you. We thank you for all of the blessings you have given us and ask that we may continue to grow in your love. Amen. And now we say to you, God bless you. Have a great week. Walk with Jesus Christ. And tell somebody about Manatee Life Church. Go in peace. Amen. Right, the first in a series on the Apostles' Creed. Hope you join us each and every week for this series as we lead into Lent coming up later on in February. And by now, you, you heard during that sermon me mention a couple of times a new study called A Disciple's Path, which we'll dive deeper in, into deeper waters, if you will, as we rediscover who we are and begin the process of sharing God's love with others in a very real and tangible way. Now, this study begins on Sunday morning, 
February 5th at 9 o'clock Eastern at the church, 315 15th Street East in Bradenton, Florida. And you can join us by Zoom and you just contact us and you can go to the church's website, manatee.life.church for a way to contact us. You can contact us via email. You can call us, whatever the case may be. You can Zoom in on that study. And I hope that you'll pray along with us and begin thinking about what all this might mean for you. And we're really excited about what God is doing at Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today on Soul Ramblings Podcast. Lots of podcasts out there I know you could listen to, and you chose to spend your time today listening to us. And we really are thankful and appreciate the gift of your time. Be sure to click subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode right now, and you'll never miss a new episode of Soul Ramblings Podcast. And now a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Hope to see you here next week. I'm Jerry Wicker from Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. <laughs>